0: Pastor Ben allowed you to remain seated. I'm going to do the same and uh, kind of close us out with some words uh, for the church, a charge to the church as part of this service. And, you know, this month I wanted to focus on the theme, the power of encouragement. And today didn't have to be any different because we're talking about encouragement uh, to a leader and encouragement uh, for leadership when we talk to the congregation. And so, As Pastor Ben addressed primarily Jeff and Morgan this morning, I want to address the church from 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to go back and read verse 11, and then we're going to look at 12 and 13. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you already are doing. Now we ask ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And then give some other admonitions there. Father, help us to understand and apply this truth, these principles, this day and always, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't say how important encouragement is for the body of Christ and how encouragement has blessed me as a pastor and blessed my wife, and I, my charge this morning for the congregation is you be an encouragement to Jeff and Morgan. Be an encouragement to the leaders that God has placed in your life. I, I know that sometimes we want to expect much from people, and we should. I, um, I read a story you might have read. It was a lady, she actually wrote this in, and it was published in Reader's Digest, but uh, she opened her door one day to go get her paper, and there was a friendly dog standing there, and it had fetched her paper. It wasn't even her dog. She didn't know whose it was, but it had fetched her paper and brought the paper there. And so she said, wait just a minute. You know, she, she got the paper. She got the dog a treat, gave the dog a treat. And the next morning, there were eight newspapers from her neighbors right there at her doorstep. Isn't it amazing? You know, she had to go, and she said she had to literally find out whose newspapers they were and, and take them back. Encouragement goes a long way in helping motivate people. Paul had planted this church at Thessalonica. He had had a brief stay there uh, for maybe a little more than three weeks. We can read about that in Acts chapter 17. He likely had left Timothy and Luke behind to see them established in their faith. and There were all of these new believers that needed to know how to defend their faith. They needed how to be able to defend there were some religious Jews in the synagogue, giving them a hard time there because they were caught up in the the traditions of man rather than an intimate relationship. And now we are are blessed by a a generation that we've just heard Jeff reference with our students, our young people like Jeff and Morgan, that value that intimacy with God over religious tradition and, and remind us of how important that relationship is. And in the midst of that, we see that they also needed to learn how to respect and be patient with leaders, new leaders, young leaders in their midst. Remember, Paul would tell Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, which means those of us who are older have to be careful about not looking down on uh, the younger ones, especially those who are called into leadership like Timothy was, like Jeff is being established in here at Trinity. Uh, it was an encouragement to me to hear uh, one of the pastors of, of the fastest one of the fastest growing churches in the state of Georgia and in America from Columbus, uh, Pastor Bill Purvis, as he talked about uh, how as he got older, he's been at a church for fifteen well for thirty years, but he said the first fifteen he had to lead that church to change, and he said in the second fifteen years that he was there, he let his younger staff lead the church for change, and he made sure that what wasn't supposed to change didn't change with the word of God and the the doctrines that the church embraced. And so it's been a joy for me to watch a younger generation lead for change in our midst. And so we want to be an encouragement to them. Now, one thing that we read in the Scriptures when it comes to worship, much of it is described in the Old Testament. And and there's priestly leadership given to worship. Uh, It was often extravagant. It involved a lot of pageantry, we might today accuse them of, of being a little bit too showy at times, but it all helped focus on how big and how awesome God was. What the New Testament did to change that is that the gospel clarified the focus and brought us closer to God through Jesus Christ, allowing us to boldly come into his presence. But still, there is shepherding leadership, just like that by the priests in the New Testament by the pastors. There's shepherding leadership when it comes to corporate worship. And one day in heaven, uh, we will not be able to get any closer to the one we worship than when we see the Lamb of God. And so we're even practicing for that. uh, Our corporate worship is a preview of coming attractions as we worship in this place. And so when we come to this passage that talks about recognizing our leadership, we see that, first of all, we're to acknowledge the significance of their work. That's why I so introduced this text within a context, because we need to acknowledge the significance of the work that Jeff is called to and the leaders that God has placed in your life. In some translations it says, give recognition in verse 12. In others it says, honor or respect. In some it says, acknowledge. One translation says, appreciate. These all sound like words that describe marriage, don't it? Uh, Think about it. You you think about what maybe a minister would say when the couple's getting married. Love, honor, respect, appreciate. All of those are translations of this phrase, give recognition, really get to know them. I remember when Dr. Bill Bennett came and, and preached when I was brand new here as a pastor. And Dr. Bennett made this statement. He said, you're being called to this church as a good marriage. And, and when a minister is called to a church, that's kind of what it is. It's kind of, kind of a marriage there. And he says, I can just see it's a good fit. It's a good marriage. But what is a good marriage? It has love, honor, respect, appreciation. And that certainly works both ways. And he says those who labor are work. Ministry can be exhausting. And so that word for labor here has to do with working to the point of exhaustion. And this admonition works both ways. What was Paul telling the church when he introduced the letter? He says in chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, we always thank God for all of you remembering, constant, remembering you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there was an appreciation of those who were serving the Lord, and working hard for the kingdom of God. I can't tell you how many late hours Jeff Branson puts in so that this church can be effective in its ministries. Morgan has put in many of those late hours. In fact, she was serving the Lord here many years before we even met Jeff. And they began to serve the Lord together, and to this day they still... Burn the midnight oil sometimes behind the scenes, not just what you see on this platform, but often behind the scenes, so that our ministry to this community and to our world can be more effective. And so this passage says, acknowledge that. Don't say, well, all he has to do is throw a couple of songs together. He is doing so much ministry and multiplying the ministry of the pastors in this church Sometimes we have those weeks where we just have to divide and conquer, and we're in different places. And I never have to worry when Jeff represents, and when Jeff and Morgan as a couple represent the ministry staff of this church, I would never have to be concerned that they're going to hurt us or hurt this church's testimony in any way, laboring long hours for the kingdom. And then he talks about the oversight here. Those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord. That, that word "lead" has—they're they, provided with oversight and responsibility. That's why I think that those who become uh, worship corporate worship leaders—you know, some people don't even like that language—but those who become ministers of the gospel in that capacity need to meet the responsibilities of those shepherding pastors. They—they they need to meet the qualifications because they have certain oversight that's so vital for the kingdom. They're not putting on a show. They're leading us to an encounter with God. Uh, Dr. Stephen Alford, I had the privilege to be with him just before he passed away with a group of, uh, really there was a small group of us, but he was talking about the importance of worship, corporate worship before the preaching of the word of God. And he said, it builds a trough to the people. So that when the pastor stands up, the water of life can flow freely. And I can say that under Jeff's leadership, that trough has been built well so that when I'm standing here or someone else is standing here ready to preach, your hearts are in tune with God and ready to receive it. And then he says, those who admonish you, literally those who engage the mind, those who will talk about the importance of singing and confessing in song, sound theological doctrine." He says, acknowledge the significance of their work. Secondly, affirm the leaders with love and respect. He says, to esteem them very highly, in verse 13, in love because of their work. So affirm, Jeff, and affirm, Morgan, with love and respect. Esteem highly. That that phrase, super abundantly, it's the same phrase we see in Ephesians 3.20 where it says that, Um, that we would know it, that have that super abundantly, that hooper, that kind of hyper abundant, what God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. He says, love them that way. Pray for them, encourage them. In in 1 Samuel 12, 23, Samuel told Israel, listen, I know that I know that you're not perfect and your system's not perfect, but I'm not going to sin against God by ceasing to pray for you. And this is a passage about an acknowledgement, a relational acknowledgement of leadership. Speak to them with respect. That, That can be difficult when habits exist, especially you know when I came here as pastor, I was coming back to my home church, and there were people that would say, well, what do we call you? And one of my responses to that was, well, you've always known me as Robbie. You can call me Robbie, no big deal. But in front of the children, I had learned something from the previous ministries I'd been involved in. It's in front of the children, use words like pastor and mister. And so that's why a language kind of developed around here where the kids refer to Pastor Robbie and, and, and Miss Tina. And, and I can call the moms and dads here by mister and missus because we're seeing a generation grow up that don't know how to respect those in places of leadership from their employers to their school teachers to their ministry leaders. And so teach young people how to address Jeff with respect and address Morgan with respect for what God's called them to be about. And uh, show them grace, show them freedom to grow. As none of us in ministry are perfect, we all fall so short Of the call of God on our life. And so, just as we're called to encourage you and show grace, and I'll spend the rest of this month talking about that kind of encouragement, show that kind of grace and patience with ministry leadership. And then, number three, assist leaders in fulfilling the mission of the church. Never forget that those that are called to ministry leadership are not called to do all of the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says, that we are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, meaning we have to do it, we have to model it, but we are a team working together. And so in the last part of verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourselves. That's a cooperative spirit, the church working together, supporting together, not being a thorn in the flesh for ministry leadership, but saying, we're with you. We're, We're presenting a unifying spirit here, not putting question marks on leadership being careful of false accusations, 1 Timothy five 19. don't entertain them without a multiple number of witnesses that bring clear evidence. If there is something immoral, unethical, certainly you address it. If there are different preferences involved, it says don't just bring criticism. Don't be that whisperer who gossips and has negative things to say about the ministry leadership. Avoid drama. Avoid grumbling and complaining. Don't start fleshly fires. Pour the fuel of kindness on the hearts of your leaders. When you look at verses 14 and following in this passage, you see a great encouragement to do just that. He says, We exhort you, warn those who are lazy, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always pursue what is good. For one another and for all. Rejoice always. Man, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if every time Jeff came in to lead us into the presence of God in worship, that there was a spirit of rejoicing already among the people for what God was doing, whether the dogs lost or not? Pray constantly. Man, we need to be a praying people. Jesus said, My house would be called a house of prayer for all people. It's not to my ego or Jeff's ego or anybody else. When he says the altar is open during worship and people begin to come and pray at the conclusion of the service, during the service at any point, that is a God thing. That is a God called thing in the ministry of this church that we be a praying people. Something that blessed my heart big time this morning was not only Pastor Ben's words to Jeff and Jeff's words of testimony, Barry's words to all of us, Uh, something that was a blessing to me was seeing the three ministry staffs, wives, praying together at this altar because that's what we're all about as a church. Give thanks in everything for it's the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit of God. It's not only backbiting and, and gossip and things like that that become a discouragement to ministry staff. One thing that can discourage ministry leaders is when we have prayed up and prepared our hearts to minister and he stands before this body of believers excited, worshiping out of the overflow of what God's doing in his heart and then somebody is quenching the spirit because they're fighting it in their own heart and they're not willing to worship if they're saying, I've had a bad week and God's not worthy or if they're just simply saying, I don't like the song style. And they quench the spirit you say, well, I'm not hurting anybody by myself, and you're quenching the spirit of the people around you. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold to what is good. Stay away from what is evil. And so we see this reminder to assist leaders in fulfilling the mission of the church. I want to close with a list of things. I'm just going to read these from Dr. Tom Rayner. And I tweaked him a little bit. He said, how to encourage your pastor. I want to say how, I'll change them up just a little bit. I tweaked them slightly, but how to encourage your worship pastor. Number one, let him know specifically how a song ministered. Number two, give him a date night. or he and his wife a date night? Later on, that means be a babysitter, right? But for now, just give him a gift card and say, have a date night on us. Number three, lovingly confront perpetual critics. Listen, I I know that sometimes people feel like, you know, Lord, it's our job as the church to keep them poor and humble. But uh, some churches even say, Lord, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. But lovingly confront perpetual critics. If if somebody, it it feels like their God-given call is to, criticize the ministry staff, and I don't think that anybody feels called to do that in this body, but if that ever happens, and sometimes it happens more with worship leaders than with pastors for some reason, then you lovingly say, hey, let's not be that way in this place. Uh, Give him a book that he would enjoy. Ladies, do something special for his wife. Speak publicly on his behalf. It means take up for him. Pray for him. Spiritual warfare is serious. And you don't know that sometimes after the the greatest encounters with God, the greatest moments of corporate blessing for the body of Christ are followed by the deepest, deepest, darkest hours of discouragement for God's ministers. And then make sure that his needs are met material, financial, continuing education, all of those things. Be sure they're being met in his life. You be a blessing. We all need encouragement. We're going to look at that all month long, but this morning I wanted to give you some practical ways that you can encourage the leaders God's place in your life, and especially today, be an encouragement to Jeff and to Morgan. You may say, well, I, you know, I don't, don't know that we need encouragement. We need encouragement. Trust me. For every word of encouragement, there's somebody else giving a word of discouragement. You be one who is an encourager, lifting up one another. Father, we thank you for this occasion that we have. And Lord, as we come to this moment of commissioning in Jeff's life and in Morgan's life, we pray that you would have your hand upon them in a special way. And we pray this in Jesus' name.